Welcome to episode 100. Yes, it's a hundred. It's a century. I'll raise my bat to the pavilion, etc., etc. But uh, we are not going to waste any more time patting ourselves <laughs> on our backs. Instead, we are dedicating this episode to one of the albums that has come to define heavy metal since it first released in September 1990. Both Peter and I have been aching to talk some Judas Priest ever since we started the pod, and it's only taken us a hundred episodes to finally get around to it. We're talking about Painkiller. Peter, are you excited? Fuck yeah, man! <laughs> I mean, this album—I uh, don't know. I'm going. I'm going to dive straight into it. I mean, those of you who heard the uh, verses with death, uh, I still remember watching this video, and I think this was the time where I was living in Abu Dhabi, so it had like those French music channels. I think MCM or something like that, and they'd play metal like post eleven. So. I was flipping through channels. I was waiting for the metal time or the rock, and then suddenly this song comes on, and it's—I mean, everyone knows it's an iconic video, right? And I was like, "What the hell? Like, this is like who are these guys?" And then, of course, Judas Priest, and you're like, "Okay, how do I search for this?" Because I had like a—I uh, mean, computer which was shared by the entire family, right? So it's like, okay. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, blew my mind. Uh, still, when I was like prepping up for this episode, watching the video, it gives me goosebumps. Uh, and yeah, I think nothing really prepares you for an album or a song like that, right? This is the actual painkiller video you're talking about. Yeah, the actual painkiller video. Is this the edit or the original video? Because there's <laughs> an edit in which it's just the band, but the original video is. This kind of skeezy video where these guys are driving around and the guy plays the guitar on the girl's leg and stuff like that. The solo on the girl's leg. So which version did you see? I'm, I'm guessing since you were in Abu Dhabi, it would have just been the band. Yeah, yeah, it would have just been the band. And I think again, uh, yeah, I think that's the best that my memory serves me really. Hmm. Okay. For those of you wondering whose voice that was, well, uh, let's see if you can recognize it. Can't recognize it. Okay, fine. I'll tell you. It's Ravi Balakrishnan again, who's uh, quickly becoming hey. one of uh, the pod's favorite guests. Thanks, Ravi, for joining in. Do you remember your first time with Painkiller? Oh yeah. I mean, um, I practically erased my childhood memories for Painkiller, literally. <laughs> so at that point of time, uh, one of uh, the people in my friend circle had landed the tape, and uh, you know, we weren't made of money, so all of us weren't like buying tapes, and I'd run out of all. Material to record stuff on, so there was this old Hitachi tape, which had a bunch of songs that I was listening to when I was a child. Stuff like "Yes Sir," "I Can Boogie," "Boogie Woogie," "All Night Long," and stuff. It was one of the first tapes my parents had ever recorded. Okay, and of course, without their permission, I taped over that and like had Painkiller on that <laughs> instead. <laughs> I heard this album obsessively. I mean, I heard it to the point where I was like. Uh, you know, I mean, it was almost like an addiction. I was listening to it some three times a day, back to back. And, you know, unfortunately, however good an album, if you listen to it three times a day, back to back, you start noticing things that irritate you slightly. And then those things just become bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I didn't hear the album for a decade until I picked it up on CD later. And, you know, oh, now it's, of course, a favorite, but yeah, not one that I, I mean, I now know that I can't like OD on it anymore. So, but is yeah. this the remaster that you picked up on CD? No, I got the uh, original issue. I think the remaster came out maybe around a few years after I picked up the, okay. so it's the 
original mix and what have you. No mm. bonus tracks. <laughs> okay. And yes, like every all A's in the past, we have the Jono who knows Bono. Well, maybe not uh, yet. <laughs> That's a very bad attempt at rhyme. But uh, welcome back, Mr. Anurag Taggett. Anurag, you're here today to kind of rein us metalhead fanboys in, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. Like, uh, it's a free country, you know, last I checked. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely hadn't um, heard Painkiller as much as, I mean, like, I probably heard it literally once, I guess, like, you know, in, in the mm-hmm. past when I was introduced to it. And then uh, when you asked me to sort of do, and then I saw them at Walk-In and then I figured that, yeah, I mean, you know, when you see a band like that. At, Humble at, brag. Humble brag. Like I just saw them at Walk-In <laughs> down the road. <laughs> When, when you see a band like that, like head, do like a headline set uh, at Walk-In, I guess it was, I mean, you know, the music really sticks with you, like every song. So like that really made me like dive back into a lot of their stuff and including Painkiller. So yeah, and I guess it's been a while since then. So yeah, it's maybe like after about four or five years that I'm listening to it again, uh, thinking about those days, I suppose. <laughs> mm. Okay. Anyways, before we get into each and every song and try to rate them a grade, because that's what we do here at All A's Albums, uh, let's give you some context behind this album and very quickly. Painkiller is Judas Priest's 12th album, released in September 1990. It's an album that, al- that follows Turbo and Ram It Down, two slightly experimentalish albums of sorts by the band, which uh, didn't really go down all that well with their fans, especially the OGs. Um, and then there's a weird court case that's on their heads as well, where the band is accused of subliminal messages in their song that has apparently led to two youth killing themselves. Ouch. <laughs> so it's safe to say that uh, in hindsight, of course, and all of this is in hindsight, that the band is in a space where they need to prove themselves weirdly or something of that sort or just reinvigorate themselves. It's also the band's first with a new drummer, Scott Travis, who becomes the first American and non-Britisher to join the band. The album was eventually recorded in France in early 1990, mixed in the Netherlands later that year. Uh, it was produced by uh, Chris Sangaridis, Sangaridis, I don't know how to pronounce I'm, I'm that. So glad, I'm so glad Christy. you took it. <laughs> Christy, yep. yeah. Christy, that's how I'm going to re- uh, refer to him. Uh, making, marking the first time since 1978's Killing Machine that Judas Priest has not worked with a longtime favorite of the band, Tom Allen. And the first time since 1976's Sad Wings of Destiny that Judas Priest and Christy are working together again. Anyways, in short, 11 songs on a 12-song album, 11 new songs as such, because the 12th is a live recording of Leather Rebel. And... Uh, all of that totally clocks in at around 55 minutes or so. And that's painkiller in a nutshell. But we are here to do all A's, which means let's begin each and every song, going through each and every song, starting off with painkiller. Who wants to go first? Because honestly, is there anything that needs to be said about this song? Nope. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like when you're really happy with an, um, you know, parcel that comes in from eBay and you see the reviews and it's like A plus and there's like pluses stretching up to the 86 character limit or whatever is there on eBay. So, you know, I mean, uh, you can't have a better, more iconic metal song and, you know, a better yeah. album opener. It ticks practically every single 
box there is to take. And, you know, I think it kind of, I mean, the entire album in general, but that song in particular, kind of set the template for metal, uh, you know, the that is the non, uh, uh, the non-Pantera metal or through the 90s, you know, the kind of stuff that Gamma Ray and Anne Savior and a whole bunch of these European metal bands were playing. In fact, I think I'd done a list a while back for a friend called the top five painkiller metal albums because, you know, it's, oh, nice. <laughs> when you describe something that way, you know just what you're getting into and, you know, you have Cage, you have Gamma Ray, um, you know, it's amazing. Mm, so what's your rating, Ravi? <laughs> well, <laughs> a plus is stretching into infinity. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Peter, you want to grade so, it? I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, if I give it anything less than an A plus plus would be not fair, but like Ravi kind of went all the way. But the only thing I want to add here, right, it's something that I said on the death verses is, you know, you think this song, nobody can do it better or like Judas Priest. And then you hear the death version, which is like, what the hell? And for a band like them to do the song. But uh, yeah, man, this, this is a killer track. I don't think I can add anything more than what Ravi already did. Okay. Anurag? Yeah, and I, I feel like uh, surprisingly the first time I heard Painkiller, I mean, you're gonna, you guys are going to kill me for this, but 2007 launch pad, Decibel from New Delhi cover. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, you thought, what a shit song. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 no, let, let me add this. I was thrilled that Decibel played Painkiller on that, right. in that gig. I was ecstatic as fuck when they showed me the set list. Right. Uh, and it included painkiller because I was like, fuck, finally we'll get to hear some good fucking metal. Right. <laughs> and they did a good job with it. Oh, yeah, they did a good job, honestly. Like, I felt like when I heard it, I was like, wow, you know, like, this is the first time I'm hearing a band cover Judas Priest. I think at least at that point, that was the first time I'd seen it. It couldn't and... be the first time you've ever heard a band covering Judas Priest. Yeah, come on, Priest. dude. How, how, Breaking how the Law has been the first song that bands cover. Yeah, exactly. Victim of changes. Heavy metal bands at that point. Like I was only in the scene for a for like maybe less than a year at that point. So I hadn't seen <laughs> that many. Um... Yeah, and by then actually, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Judas Priest love was hard to find. <laughs> Most bands would go the the Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer yeah. instead. Pantera, Sepultura, that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like, I mean, that was my, but you know, like, obviously, uh, fast forward many, many years to seeing this live and to just, you know, like, completely get into it. Like, uh, it was, yeah, it's, it's definitive, man. Like, uh, you know, when, when, like, just if, if this song, you know, went to a nightclub, the bouncer would just, you know, take off the velvet rope and be like, yes. I, <laughs> I so that's, that's pretty much uh, where painkiller signs, I guess. So yeah, A plus, 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 plus. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the interesting thing about painkiller though is the, uh, the entire drum pattern it ends with. And Animesh, you probably remember this when, you know, I first made you hear Mothra by Anvil. Huh. It's, Essentially, Chris Sangrides, I think that's how that's pronounced, uh, produced both the albums. And I think, yeah. he kind of, you know, lifted that for the end of this song. And I think it worked better with Painkiller than it did with Mantra. Much of as course. I like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I must say, like, uh, so of course, my rating for this is A++, definitely. And A 
pluses extending into as ravi said into 86 characters or how many ever more you want to make or include in terms of character count but safely uh, remember in the context i was asking the question or the question was asked that priest needed to prove itself or reinvigorate itself or reinvent itself or just tell everyone that hey we fucking exist and we remember what we do and this song like the moment it begins that question is answered uh scott travis sounds like a freaking drum machine uh halford sounds ferocious and dangerous he also has a very weird habit of rolling his r's in this song i don't know if yeah. you, i don't know why yeah. he does it but he does and, yeah exactly and and it always fucking sticks out for me now the more i listen to it the more i the more it becomes so super evident um glen tipton solo is sheer fucking skill on display as if the guitarist knew that what he has to play will like you know have to save the world or galaxy or the entire universe or something of that sort it's on that kind of a mission i love the sweep picking i love the wails i love the fact that it doesn't end when you think it it it's supposed to end uh and that's something i can say about the whole song because even uh, the 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 solo by kk it it's so unexpected right because it seems as if, as if the track is about to end but no it's time for another guitar solo um the song structure in itself it's like it it just doesn't let up it's like uh, if you were playing doom and you entered the cheat code for unlimited ammo and you have a <laughs> rocket launcher and you can fucking just keep blasting rockets out of the rocket launcher and everything is fucking hitting the x uh, on the target um peter mentioned the death cover and i'm a huge fan of that song i'm a huge fan of that cover i think i've heard that cover probably more than the original so much so that it takes a lot for me to digest the fact that there's no opening scream that accompanies the guitars on the original um has halford ever opened the song with those kind of screams that chuck used i don't know i haven't heard the death cover so what do it live no you haven't heard the death cover you haven't heard oh. the death cover holy no, shit Ravi, the, you have to listen to it i you think i heard the angra cover but i haven't heard the death cover no 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 check it out check it out Yeah. Uh, like it's 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 honestly one of the very few covers that manages to live up to the original if not surpass it yeah um so here's so since we are in definite agreement that this track is definitely an a how many ever pluses uh let me then ask you guys is this the best track priest has ever written uh it's interesting you mentioned that you know they kind of had to prove that they are back i think what they proved with the song was that they were not just back they'd gone further than they'd ever you know yeah. been at least in terms of heaviness mm-hmm. and aggression and punch and stuff like that because if you think about the 80s you had the big british institutions of metal which was iron maiden and uh, you know priest and iron maiden were getting more and more adventurous while at the same time maintaining a certain degree of heaviness whereas priest were kind of trying to become motley crew you know with yeah. turbo and a lot of the songs on it and uh, i think this was practically rewriting the blueprint on metal and on what priest could be and you know it would have been very very interesting to see where that lineup would have gone or what they would have done next had they organically stuck yeah. them for the next yeah. album but of course we'll never know that exactly true okay cool so more fanboyism coming up because next <laughs> up is health patrol peter start this one off Oh, 
so the thing is right with the, with the, like if you just hear painkiller and then you hear this song back to back and I, that's my main cr- critique really of uh, this album per se is just the sequencing of the tracks right because you you and I'll come to it of course once we come to the, the later tracks but typically you would have like and i'm i'm sure you would have heard it because i heard it first on cd uh, but like when you heard it on cassette or we like you typically have most of the bands like have their best tracks on the a side yeah and back to back when you have like a track like painkiller and then you have this you're just like okay what happened man uh, or what's going on here right i mean of course there there is those elements that you associate with the priest i mean that you know those chugging uh, riffs and things like that but just if it if it was anywhere else placed on the album maybe i would have given it a different rating but just when it's back to back right after painkiller i mean for me it's like kind of a b plus mm. what about you guys okay okay all right we'll live with that ravi what about you oh with me that's another a plus track i completely disagree with peter there i think you know after painkiller you kind of need something that takes a bit of the edge off but at the same time still has a lot to say for itself and i think help patrol does that really well i think it's a classic deep cut because if you think about the entire section after the solo the entire crow monsters you know the part where he's like really really high that's yeah. so fantastic because you know the song previously has had him sing more at his mid range and you know it's such a brilliant moment and it there's so many dynamics to that song it's amazing another a plus song for me thank god you're saying it because i was going to say the same thing it's 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 definitely an a plus track for me too now the the here's here's what's interesting about this entire album each and every song has an excellent fucking chorus yeah. all the choruses you yeah. remil, you will remember and help patrol just just does that again for me it's a clear a plus too uh which takes me to anurag anurag are you with uh, ravi and me or are you with peter <laughs> yeah i know i'm i'm with i'm i'm with you guys mostly because i feel like uh what what it does is it instantly like takes things up it th- takes things up quite a notch you know like i feel like the song like it's it's way more concentrated than uh painkiller which is like a 6 minute song and this was like 3 and a half minutes and like i feel like it still packs in so much like this is this is like that intense like all out i mean it's it's almost surprising there is a second song because it exactly uh, yeah, yeah takes up to the next level yeah yeah so uh, what's your grade on that yeah it's still um, a plus yeah cool cool alrighty peter we have you cornered are you changing your <laughs> I, I, I don't, no no not at all not at all <laughs> i but i do agree with you but the you know uh, two things i mean i'm kind of preempting the next part but like it's what you said in the start right it's both the guitarists are just like on fire and it's like with each track progressively like you think like okay uh what's going to come next right and one thing i really like about the guitar playing on this is it's not that you know shreddy wankery that you know you kind of see it's really tastefully done stuff that you know you want to go back and i'm sure i would have yeah. i kept doing it a few times going back just listening to the solo sections on there so yeah man this it's really really well done already uh peter which track would you put uh, instead of help patrol at two ah that's a interesting question yeah damn dude uh, 
I don't know. I'm I'm looking at like the last uh, probably like you know between the hammer and the anvil or a touch of evil. If you're looking at like a contrast or something like that, right? Those Actually, are the tracks. Between the hammer and the anvil, I can live with that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. Because because there's there's something like and you know who who I can't remember who brought it up about the choruses, but it's all those tracks, right? I mean, uh, and there's something about this album also. If you go play any of the tracks, there's like you know that distinct Judas Priestness, if I may say, right? Yeah, it's it, very it's signature. Yeah, yeah, very signature. I, I think. Yeah, it 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 sounds it sounds priest. There's no other way of yeah. putting it. It sounds yeah. British. It sounds, and it sounds priest. The, those are the only two words I can use to describe how the album sounds in terms of context beyond like the usual talk about production and stuff. Anyways, uh, let's get into track number three, which is "All Guns Blazing." Ravi, take this one off. Oh, again, complete A plus territory. I mean. Uh, the fact is, if you wanted a uh, you know back-to-back Barn Stompers album, this would have been the second track because it is just so ferocious. Yep. You know, right from the a cappella start to you know the slow doomy bit right after the solo. I mean, I can't think of a more perfect metal track except maybe the title track and a few others that come along, which is why this is, a, you know, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But yeah, this is definitely another A plus for me. Absolutely brilliant. You know, there are some songs where you as a listener and as a listener who doesn't play anything, sit around thinking, hmm, if they'd only done this, it would have been, you know, take, taken it up a notch, but you can't think of any such yeah. improvement to All Guns Blazing. I, I, I completely agree with you. For me, it's an A plus as well. I mean, uh, that that guitar riff. The only the only the only annoying part of the song for me is that guitar riff that accompanies the chorus, which is uh, meow, 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 meow. yeah, that's a little obvious maybe, but no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> but I'm I'm guessing that's also one of the few riffs that you can easily play in a jam, and it's so fucking memorable that that will always stick with you even after you've heard the song only once. Probably you'll you'll probably be humming that riff somewhere. It'll be lodged in your subconscious at some point in time to come up on a weird night and Sunday like, <laughs> you, you, you fuck can... is meow 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 <laughs> yeah, see, like, where have I heard this about, about, but you know yeah? I'm completely fine with it exactly yeah 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 um, I mean yeah if if like like you I've probably heard the album so many times that it's these kind of things that begin to stick out more but again that that's more of a good thing because you're hearing that album so many times yeah um, I love the solos on this one again. I think I think Glenn Tipton's and Justin are he I, he just like I think he's done he's just outshone himself on this album as such with his playing. Lovely stuff. A plus for me too. Anurag, what about you? Uh, yeah, it's an A for me. I think uh, not necessarily A plus. I guess because like by, by this point, like you're you're sort of like any listener presumably would sort of be pretty familiar with what priest does and uh, you know like how they do it so i feel like this track just offers a little bit more of that with, with obviously like a lot of you know like with total conviction no doubt like that's why it's a uh but yeah like i still feel like uh you know like compared to at least the first two tracks like it's sort of like uh plateauing in in a sense that's, that's okay cool peter man i'm just kind of building on what you said it's like both the guitarists right put on like a masterclass of sorts. It's like 
guys, this is how it's done. Like, let, let, let us show you how it's done. And just like their solo is like back to back in there. And it doesn't seem like, you know, they're kind of out jostling each other or kind of outdoing each other. It's just like mm. so well done in there. And uh, yeah, I mean, the way I've written it is like they really go all guns blazing on this track. So definitely an A plus for me. Okay, lovely. Let's move on to track number four, Leather Rebel. Uh, I'll start this one off. In my head, this was the song that the band wrote just after writing Painkiller. And, you know, while they were writing the song, they said, hey, let's write a song that's just as bombastic as Painkiller. But then they looked at the time and they realized that they have just, say, an hour of jam room or studio time left. And so instead of taking it as, you know, as a device for procrastinating and saying, hey, it's okay, we'll just record the one riff and we'll come back to it in the next jam room session. They took it as a challenge. And so we get a painkiller song that's only half the duration of the original. Because if you think about it, if you start dissecting this track as such, it opens like an inverted painkiller, furious riffs, and then the drums come in to continue to build the intensity of it. The song structure is practically the same or similar. Glenn's and KK solos both start in a similar manner. They're both performed as the riffs change keys. I just wish Halford would have sung this song like Painkiller. Like, you know, but uh, I guess there wasn't just enough jam time left to quickly complete it. Perhaps if it was, if it was on another album, this could have been uh, the ideal opener to and would be exactly like Painkiller right, in that sense. But still, having said all of that, definite A plus for me on this one. Peter, what about you? You, you described it as a leather, a painkiller light version or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, 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 it is. It's almost painkiller light. But at the same time, that's not to say that it isn't a good song on its own. No, no, of course. I mean, that's why it's an A for me. I mean, like, you know, the first time you are listening to this, you're like, wait, painkiller, leather rebel. I mean, like, what the hell are these guys talking about? And then, of course, in, in your, like, adolescent mind, it's like, what are these, like, anti-superheroes or villains or what's going on, right? And I think that was one of the cool things about like listening to metal also, right? You They have these kind of uh, fa- uh, fantasy of sort uh, uh, figures in there. So hmm. yeah, but again, like I, again, I love the opening in there. And this is like one of those tracks where you can kind of say like if you had to choose a few tracks and say, boss, if you have to listen to Judas, please. Like these are one of the few tracks you listen to and you'll know like I just fucking damn. give them this album. Yeah, uh, true. I like, mean that's hey, you go <laughs> listen to this. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just remembered a story I should have added about this album, but I think I'll close up with it. But <laughs> go ahead, who's next? Anurag. But wait, what's your what's your grade? A, of course, of course. A, all right, cool. Ravi. Actually, this song I kind of retrospectively grew to appreciate it was one of my least favorite songs out the gate as far as, far as the album was concerned because you know there were three songs that I liked a great deal and there was a fourth song coming up after this which was absolutely fantastic which was Metal Meltdown mm. and so this felt slightly obvious you know it was kind of like a, a less literate version of Breaking the Law it was, you know, oh, leather rebel, lighting in the dark, blah, blah, blah. You know, it didn't really impress me back in the day. But, mm. uh, you know, uh, that's also because I guess when you just start getting into something, you have no idea of quality, right? It's only later on when you listen to a lot of shit 
that you realize that a song that you thought was maybe not all there was actually all there uh. because there's so few songs like that per se. So, you know, retrospectively an A, uh, initially a B plus. Hmm. Okay. Okay. But wait, well, what made you think that? Was it, uh, was it the, the, the music or was it the vocals it, or what overall? I just thought it was a little phoned in. I mean, I think uh, it's similar to the sense that you had about it being a bit of a rush job. You know, a lot of the finessing that is so much a part of the album does not really seem to land as hard on uh, Leather Rebel as it does on a lot of the other mm. tracks in the album. Also, you know, considering the kind of uh, musical and lyrical stuff you had so far, Leather Rebel seems a little obvious and, you know, yeah. uh, bog standard heavy metal kind of. Yeah. I felt, I, 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 again, I'll come to this after Anurag states his grade. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, it was, uh, I think that's what I realized. Like just like first you said about, you know, like you use the word bombastic, for example, like that was, that was very apt, you know, that was actually something I was exactly thinking of describing this as. And then like, just generally hearing all you guys also talk about it. Like, it feels like, um, like just, just the way it's again with the sequence and stuff. Like, I think it comes down to like, who, like, you know, the listener being sort of like, grasping like what's going on basically right like because it's such i mean oftentimes right like i mean a good metal album will overwhelm you so i mean yeah. a good album period will overwhelm you so like a good metal album will like probably overwhelm you in like like uh, like non-stop basically so uh, i feel like that's what happens in these like the ne- the tracks that come after painkiller like just these three and four basically between all guns blazing and leather level. So like for me, like I sort of like spotted it in all guns blazing, but like then when I heard leather level, I was like, yes, you know, like this is they're just offering just, you know, like really conviction heavy um, tunes basically. So uh, in that way, it's still, still an A plus for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I personally, I think, I think Halford's the weakest link on leather level. Maybe it is to do with the lyrics. Maybe it's to do with his vocal performance. It seems like he's conserving his voice rather than going f- out about uh, like fully out. Yeah, especially uh, which I think the music does. What the next song is, you know. Exactly. The- yeah. Uh, it's like saving himself. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but but that's the thing, right? Like I don't know if the band recorded all the songs in order. Eventually, yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, since we are talking about it, it's still an all A's from all of us here at the moment. That was Leather Rebel. So let's move on to Metal Meltdown. Ravi, start off with one. Oh, fuck. I mean, (laughs) that's just such an amazing freaking song. Uh, If you think about it, uh, you know, I mean, uh, if people are want to be very nitpicky, they bag on me for saying Leather Rebel is a bit of a bulk standard heavy metal song. So is Metal Meltdown, but it's the most awesome standard setting bulk standard heavy metal song you'll ever find anywhere. You know, yeah. there's like literally, I mean, there's literally thousands of bands that have written songs about the power and glory of metal. I think Priest did one in just the album before with heavy metal from Ram It Down, which starts off with a similar guitar trade-off kind of thing. But, you know, it's almost like that was a demo for for what would eventually be Metal Meltdown, which is such a vastly superior track on every single parameter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So A plus plus is extending to infinity again. Incredible yep. song. Yep, yep, yep. And as you mentioned, and as we were discussing, Halford is an imp- 
impeccable fucking form on this song. Oh, yeah. Like he's on, he's like back to his, back to his yeah, painkiller version or painkiller <laughs> avatar as such. He's like, he's fucking awesome. And, you think I'm and like once, once you're listening to this entire album, right? By this, by, by this song, by Metal Meltdown, like I'm, I'm still wondering and after having heard the album, I don't know how many other times, but while I was listening to it today again in preparation for uh, this pod, um, again, the first question that comes to mind while listening to Metal Meltdown is what planet is fucking Scott Travis from? Because I kid you not, I'm sure half the people listening to this for the first time would have thought that this was a drum machine on yeah, play, yeah. but it's fucking not. And then you get, then you get like dueling solos, warfaring actually for the first time on this entire album, which sounds very Slayer-esque in places, right? Uh, which is weird. I mean, I can, I guess I can understand that. And again, this is hindsight talking because apparently the last tour that, that Priest did before stepping into the studios to record Painkiller was the Ram It Down tour on which they chose to let Slayer play opening band as such. And perhaps listening to Slayer gave Priest the almighty kick in the butt and they all decided that, holy fuck, we need to do, we need to really up our game and up our, uh, yeah, just up everything as such. Up the auntie. yeah, the auntie has been upped Uh, (laughs) completely, completely. Uh, A a fucking four pluses or three pluses for me too. (laughs) What about Anurag? Oh, for me, man. Yeah, man, definitely. A plus as well because uh, like everything about it just has it has all the makings of you know like if you play this song to anybody like on the road like you know like in a plane or anywhere like it is like yeah that sounds like (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean they'll just be like yeah that sounds like heavy metal like that's that's literally how uh, sort of defining it is. I mean, I know I've used that word already, but yeah, like it, it felt, it feels that way just throughout, you know, like just every second of it feels uh, like, uh, you know, just, there's just so much surety in, in the way they've like written the song, executed it and everything. So definitely. Yeah. And fuck the vocal line. I mean, you know, you kind of think that the guy, the Halfords speak with, out of control and then he moves an entire octave higher for yeah. explode. Goosebumps. Fuck. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, like, especially the part where he goes like out of control. I'm not going to even attempt it like I did in a previous <laughs> episode. <laughs> but, but like when he's like, when it's coming at you, like, dude, this is like, you know, I talked about, uh, you know, Glenn and KK doing like a masterclass on guitar. This is Halford doing a masterclass on vocals. Like, guys, this this is how it's done, and and, and it's like, you know, if you if you look at it, it's like he's that elder statesman where everyone thinks like, ah, chal, his time has come, and he's like, wait, guys, I still have it. Like, I still got it, and especially if you look at it, like we were talking about the earlier track, right? Mm. Like it was like literally like he's saving himself for this. <laughs> like, wait, <laughs> you you guys haven't seen uh, the thing. And if you think about it, this is like the end of uh, side A, right? And especially the yeah. cha- the like the metal meltdown, like you know, ga- chorus vocals or gang vocals, whatever you want to call it, towards the end of the track. That's like, mm. I mean, I'd love. This is one of the things that you know you'd love to like watch in a live setting. So yeah. it's like. 
A infinity pluses plus two horns up for this track. I mean, like, man, this is an yeah, awesome. I mean, awesome we can do an entire freaking podcast on just this one song. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like they are killing in the name of uh, to you know call back one of your previous episodes, uh, in the sense that if you think about Metal Meltdown, there's a whole bunch of elements that have been there, and a lot of the other songs, yeah. for instance, the entire kind of almost marching sort of sound towards the end of Metal Gods. There's a sense of that in the metal meltdown kind yeah, of part yeah. the end. And it's almost like they stitched together every single song that they'd previously done on heavy metal to create the ultimate, ultimate. unbeatable song about heavy metal and that metal <laughs> meltdown. Okay, cool. <laughs> wow. Alrighty. Uh, moving on to the next track. Track number six. Another banger. This is Nightcrawler. It's another fucking memorable chorus. That's like six for six now, so far. (laughs) Harmonized guitar leads after the chorus, followed by Painkiller Halford once again. I love the mellow. I mean, I guess you can call it mellow because that's the mellowest part of the whole album for me. But it's such a fucking hypnotic riff. Overall, yeah, I'm just going to say this is another A+. Six for six on that too for my side. No, for sure. Like, I mean, like, I guess in the context of this being the first song on side two, like, uh, I would, uh, I would feel like they probably just wanted to come back with something that's just like, you know, as hard hitting as possible. And like, man, it just picks, it just, uh, again, like, it's one of the most catchiest metal songs ever, That definitely. And like, the amazing part about that is that it doesn't sort of, uh, you know, like, lose lose sight of you know being a metal song like it doesn't compromise on anything to mm. be that way like you know every everything that they're doing in the song is still very much like trademark metal you know like and it's yep. specifically trademark priest because you know with, with Halbert's vocals and it's everything so uh yeah man, it's uh, a plus for me okay peter <laughs> so uh this song is freaking i don't know I, I, can't, I can't even describe it because like when he sings, right, Nightcrawler, it's just like, whoa, what the hell, man? I mean, and again, one of the things is, is that intro, right? Which you're just like, okay, what's coming? And uh, I, this is the times I wish uh, I had heard it like on a cassette or vinyl, I don't know, visual thinking. Just you're waiting, kind of seeing those first initial seconds out, uh, like what's happening in there and then it kicks in. And again, like the lovely dual guitars in the middle of the track man it's just like so beautiful but you know mm-hmm. unfortunately uh, an indian band i don't know i'm sure ravi uh, might remember this from the forum days uh, did like a terrible cover to it and i hope no one has ever introduced to the band nightcrawler <laughs> yeah who did that I, I, I only remember the good cover that albatross did Oh yeah, that see at least that that's where like I think Albatross kind of redeemed Indian metal for that. But Dementra had done a cover of it online. <laughs> Dementra, really? <laughs> Fuck! I gotta dig this up now. <laughs> if, if 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 anyone listening has a clue about Dementra, please see, even Anurag's laughing. It's part of metal history. It's part of Indian metal history. <laughs> I think I think uh, Ravi, I'm going to send you the track if I can find it. <laughs> Send us the track. Send the whole world the track. We should host it. We should host it and have an entire episode dedicated to Dementia, please. That that's a part of Indian metal history that needs to be documented and preserved 
and probably set inside a time capsule so that people 20 years or 30 years or 100 years down the I line know, I can dig up. <laughs> this is what the aliens need to know about us. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That there was a one-man project called Dementra. <laughs> which was, right? Which it was. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Full respect. Yeah. But oh, wait, God. quickly, grades. Of course, A plus infinity, man. A plus to infinity. All righty. Yeah. So, uh, Nightcrawler, absolutely amazing song. And, you know, I mean, kind of like, um, if you think about it, it's almost like this is the song where the guitarists are taking a bit of a break because the yeah. lead is relatively simple. You know, it was simple enough for one of the bands that I kind of uh, grew up back in the days when Indian bands only played covers. You know, there was a band that used to do Nightcrawler and I think their bassist would like kind of breathe fire during the solo and that was their USP. And the reason they picked Nightcrawler was because it was the easiest uh, thing in the priest catalog to do. Hey, if Dementra can play it, come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you know, uh, if you think about about Nightcrawler, I think what sets it apart from a thousand clone songs is the atmosphere of it. Yeah. Genuinely foreboding and absolutely incredible. I mean, I'd say even in the Priest discography, the only song that they've done that's as atmospheric as Nightcrawler is probably The Ripper. Hmm. 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 Really? Okay. Okay. But wait, what's your grade? You know, it being a song about a foreboding presence who's out to get you. Huh, in that sense, in that sense, because there's a very there's a very good contender to being the be- uh, one of the best atmospheric tracks that's going to come up very quickly in this discussion too. But uh, anyways, before that, what's your grade? Oh, A plus, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Let's move on to the next track, track number seven, between the hammer and the anvil. Peter, you start this one off. Yeah, it's track number two as far as Peter is concerned. So, oh. <laughs> I mean, you know, so for me, at least like this song is one of those tracks that all you need is like one listen for that opening riff to get like stuck in your head, man. I mean, that's, it's so freaking, I don't know, like, I really wish I could like go back in time and just like, you know, when they were recording the album, just kind of see what the hell they were up to in there or what their discussions were. Or okay. they were just like, know bringing in these riffs and saying hey check this out okay recorded that kind of thing what were they up to then uh similar like you know even the solo from like two and a half minutes past and then again you know after the like the back-to-back solos in there i mean there's so much really to enjoy in the track so definitely an a plus for me Mm, okay cool anurag uh yeah i mean it was it's once again sort of surprises me uh at least now like when i'm hearing it that like all these songs are on the same album, you know, like it's, it's, yeah, it's like really surprising, man, that, that like just one after the other, you know, it's just like, um, uh, again, like really in, in catchy, like kind of like hooks and just the, again, like it's so just genre defining again, like, like I said, so it, it's, I mean, yeah, at this point on the album, it feels like, man, like, how are they still doing this? Like, it's like that level of, uh, you know, like, I guess, in terms of sequencing and just like listening to it, that you feel like there's still a song here, which sounds like it could have been the opening track or which could have oh, been. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, definitely A+. plus. 
Okay, Ravi? Yeah, same. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think Anurag said it best when he said, here's a track that could have been the opening track. And, you know, uh, there are albums that I think, uh, at least I as a huge old school metal fan love, which have uh, a title tracks that are weaker than Between the Hammer and the Anvil and no track in the entire duration that's as strong as it is. And, mm-hmm. you know, I still like those albums. So you can just imagine how much I like Between the Hammer and the Anvil. It's, it's great. And what's amazing is the fact that it still holds its own in spite of the fact that it's coming before three of the most perfect metal tracks ever recorded. So, you know, <laughs> uh, and, you know, after Nightcrawler. So it's doing a lot of heavy lifting and it's absolutely amazing. Mm. So, yeah, A+. Okay, so I'll keep, I'll keep my grade very short. It is definitely an A+, for me. But I have a couple of points that I like to just discuss. Uh, the intro, I mean, uh, how the song begins, I'm not entirely, like, when it first begins like that, I'm not entirely sure of what I'm getting. Suddenly, it felt like, uh, what are they trying to do? But then I realized that I'm guessing this was their attempt at doing a siren without it actually being a siren, right? Because especially your first lyric is storm warning, but there's no fear, right? Um, And I think that this is more of a priest that everybody was pretty much used to, right? Except the explosion and the wail at the beginning, of course. Uh, What really makes this track super interesting for me are, are, are two elements as sorts. So first one is there's these very tiny guitar fills throughout the song, like kind of pepper things in it, be it the licks that suddenly appear to bridge parts or be it the harmonic melody that kind of accompanies the vocals, especially in the first chorus. And that's, that's one thing that completely makes the song for me. And the second one is, uh, did anyone, did anyone, and, and try, try and answer this as honestly as you guys can, did anyone really expect the mid-tempo riff that begins just after the first chorus? I didn't. Nope. No. Because, like, to me, that's one of the parts of the song that sounds like, you know, it, it's not necessary as such. I mean, you can, you could have just begun uh, Tipton's solo section straight after the chorus and the track would still flow but the fact that they chose to include it and the fact that it exists and that you can still bang your head to it, that's what truly matters. Like at the end of the day, they knew what they were doing hmm. completely to let that section in because if that section was missing, perhaps uh, Tipton's solo might have got lost in the shuffle. And I fucking love the outro. You, because Not just because it's a great outro, but also because you don't know what's about to hit you. Because next, it leads so smoothly into a touch of evil, which to me is my, like, the second best song on this entire album. It's like 8,000 pluses again, because suddenly Halford's personality has changed. He's no longer this aggro metal dude, but he's fucking (laughs) scary now. Like, he reminds me of Shah Rukh Khan and Dar. That kind of scariness. <laughs> Please, it's a great, it's a good fucking movie, okay? It is. Yeah. I especially like the part where, I know we're getting a little sidetracked here, but I especially like the part where uh, Dalib Tahil is complaining to the psychiatrist saying, my son keeps speaking to his mom all the time. <laughs> and the psychiatrist is like, uh, what's the problem? 
<laughs> man's like, his mom is dead. Way to bury the lead, Dalipta. <laughs> uh, but but just 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 imagine, uh, in in my weird reinterpretation of Dar, Juhi Chavla gets uh, possessed as such by Shah Rukh Khan, or finally like you know develops Stockholm syndrome and and says Shah Rukh Khan, okay, cool, I am your Kiran. And then, (laughs) and then, and then a touch of evil plays, and it's picturized on Juhi Chavla. It would be so fucking fitting, man. I think you're trying to ruin this out for me. I'm not trying to fucking ruin anything because in my head, in my head, it's working out absolutely perfectly, right? Uh, I see. That's the thing. With with a touch of evil, right? You don't really know what it is about. You initially think that it could be about drugs or alcohol or like a stalker, like you're talking. I don't think it's about a uh, no. I, uh, I I spoke about Stockholm syndrome. I didn't talk about a stalker as such. I'm saying. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the hidden star of this track for me is Chris T. Again, I'm not going to butcher his surname. Who's on keyboard and synths? His work is peppered through the album. Of course, it's also the producer. It's, by the way, it's on Don Airy on the keyboards. What? Sorry. It's, it's Don Airy. Don Airy. Oh, I thought it was Chris T. No, no, it's Mr. Don Crowley Airy. himself. Yes. Because no, because his 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 name is included in the song credits, huh? And that's because, where I was going with it because um, it's so, finally on this one that he's that he's gotten a songwriting credit because that's his song that they built on. That oh, really? One, I didn't even yeah. know that. Yeah. So basically, that's what I was reading. Sorry if I'm kind of interrupting no, no, no. your train of thought. But basically, like uh, what I was reading is about uh, Christie having these. Uh, you know, he had like a library of sorts of all these samples and things like that. And while they were sitting in the production room, he played uh, the part of A Touch of Evil and they said, hey, we like that. Can we kind of jam on it or work on it? And that's how, that's why he has a songwriting credit in it. Yeah. So that's, yeah. And that's why I was reading also, right? About like Don Airy being part of it. And I was like, whoa, like you you don't kind of uh, Actually, I didn't know that. Yeah. So bringing that up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. this I is really cool. Must have been really dropping the ball on reading our CD liner notes. <laughs> no, this is, so, so I mean, like for me, uh, I mean, I touched upon the Judas Priest and at home, right? I actually convinced my mom to buy this CD for me, <laughs> even though okay. it had a name like this. So, yeah, thanks, hey, mom. But it is, this is this is probably one of the easier buys, right? Because you can be like, hey, this is painkiller. It kills pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, do we know if ibuprofen was already invented by then? I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, who's going? Who's going? Okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. I have to finish this. I have to finish yeah, this. Sure. Um, Glenn Tipton's solo on "A Touch of Evil" is another solo from this entire album that I can almost sing note for note. It's that memorable for me. I've heard it probably I don't know how many other times. Plus, you've got an amazing voice, then, dude. Ah, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I honestly don't, but uh, I can try and like almost match it. Like, you know what I'm saying? You've all yeah. fucking sung solos before, uh, but now, 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 I was reading an article on invisible oranges. Okay. Wait, before, before we get sidetracked, I was reading an article on invisible oranges about the production of this album. And the engineer has a story about Halford's vocals. Apparently Halford's notes 
or his singing broke perfectly good working mics yeah 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 and i have to think that many of the damages were caused by that one line that comes in at around 4 minutes 40 seconds well oh, the way, that ends with your possessing me yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no but that invisible oranges article is brilliant we have to put that in the show notes because that's a great oh, yeah, way definitely. to kind of like it's a great accompaniment to listening yep, to the album yeah yeah but talks to uh, scott travis at length and yeah. it talks to uh, the engineer on this album so yeah please do check that out because it has some lovely stories oh yeah but anyways before i digress even more a double plus a quadruple plus for me on my side peter since you've already spoken about it what's your grade of course anything less than a times infinity plus <laughs> it will be okay lovely so uh anurag uh <laughs> have we left anything for you to say uh... <laughs> Yeah probably just a plus. <laughs> no but but yeah I really enjoyed it man like I mean it's it's so uh like just the atmospherics of this and just the way they've constructed it like you know that this is a track they wanted to be their calling card in in many ways. Uh yeah. and you know man like goosebumps man every time I hear it I'll just be like this is uh this is exceptional. So yeah. yeah. Okay Ravi Oh yeah I mean I actually have a fairly decent story on this this was oh back in the day one of the first heavy metal videos I ever saw on MTV in post liberalization India and the video is sinister as all get out I mean now you know sinister. all of us have, that's a fucking good word to describe now, this now all of us have of course seen I mean we're practically saturated with edgy imagery and you know your twitter triumph timeline if you're unlucky will have at least one beheading and one mutilation uh but you know the video had these pentecostal christians some kind of a riff on them you have these people handling snakes you have this you know damian like child in between all of them and it kind of calls back to the omen which is of course one of the all time great horror films and that's interspersed with uh footage of the band and it's just goosebump inducing i mean at least that's the way it was the first time i saw it so yeah absolutely fantastic song uh it's also a song which i have very very pleasant memories of because you know uh band tried to cover it during the live wire albums when you know they used to go on all night oh. the guy lost his voice in the parts where rob alford isn't really singing high and by the time he got the opportunity <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, Rob yeah. Alford didn't possess him. I'm guessing. Yeah, it basically sounded like a rat being dropped a lift shaft or something like that. You know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh man. Uh, hmm. Alrighty. Let's move on to the next track, which is Battle Hymn. Now, uh, let me throw a question out here. Uh, Battle Hymn is a musical interlude that's under a minute. Do you guys actually want to read this one on its own, yes. or would you rather? Fuck yes. Okay, cool. I, I, go for I, it then. I made it one track. So go. Yeah, so did I. I I I I I like to think of it more as an intro to One Shot at Glory than I honestly think this is the best intro like ever. I mean, I think this beats <laughs> the Helian Electric Eye uh combo and you know, it's so I mean, it's 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 one of those things that you kind of here and you want to strap on armor and go out to do battle i mean it's which it's is exactly so, what it does right i mean it's exactly. following it's 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 building up to a song like one shot at glory exactly and it's so i don't know uh 
moving is perhaps a word that you wouldn't really associate with Judas Priest, but it's got that kind of emotional heft to it. And, you know, it's brilliant. And then it leads directly into One Shot of Glory. So for my money, uh, even if the rest of Painkiller had been absolute dog crap, it would have still been a great album just for, you know, uh, Battle Him and One Shot of Glory. Do you think Battle Him would have been a good opener? Definitely. Mm. Okay. Okay, cool. I'll take that because on its own, I think Battle Him is a good enough opener or a good enough interlude, but uh, maybe it could have been more epic. I don't know. Um, still, I don't think that's it just, could just... have been more epic. I think mm. that was Priest's... Uh, uh, what's the uh, track that Iron Maiden stole off Samson? Uh, was it was it Genghis Khan or was it the Ides of March? I forget. One of their instrumentals. The da 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 that one. Uh, that's 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 the Ides of March, I think. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, Anurag, what about you? Yeah, man. I think I'm gonna take both of them together as well because it just. Um, but I mean, like, this is where I feel like uh, what what Peter was saying earlier about like maybe like sequencing or something like that. Like, I feel like this is where it absolutely works, you know? Like, because after Touch of Evil and then Battle Him and then One Shot Glory, like, I feel like it's, it just makes sense. Uh, it just com- you know, it's it's it's. Uh, f- I think it finally has like a sense of like journeying, you know, like, mm. very, like okay, like they're taking us through this, like, you know, uh, in a sense. And of course, it, it's it's not necessary that an album should necessarily do that. It could just be all like, you know, exactly. what cool kids call bangers, like one after the other, you know. So, um, but yeah, man, I, I really enjoyed just the way both of these uh, tracks come together and that how it just sort of goes out from the album, basically. Um, uh, really exceptional that that I mean it it doesn't even feel like um, like the end of the album actually in that sense you're, you're still like waiting for like come on there's got to be more than this uh, but yeah man like I I definitely uh, loved all the and again it's like a longer song so uh, I feel like I was waiting for priest to like just th- this side is longer than you know the uh, yeah. one right so. Uh, like I feel like they really know how to sustain your interest like in both ways whether they're making like those really power packed like three and a half minute songs or like four minute songs or even if they're making like a six minute sort of mm. thing so uh, they just do an exceptional job of holding one's attention basically and uh, even even as the album closes out which is pretty important so definitely A plus for me okay so you've taken ba- ba- Battle M and, and One Shot Glory together and so let me do the same thing. Let me just build up on that. I think fucking like one shot at glory on its own is a brilliant fucking track. I think it's if like we've all heard of liquid courage, but if you ever needed oral courage, this is this would be a perfect example, uh, which leads me to ask, uh, how come this song has never been used as part of a montage for like a Rocky movie or even say Chuck Day or something of that sort? like imagine that right if suddenly like instead of Shah Rukh Khan's speech you you get you get fucking one shot at glory and a training montage of everyone enormous enormous sync potential enormous enormous sync like this should be like the default opener to any IPL game myself to death with a hockey stick (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it but it but it has that power it has that power Halford's vocals uh those sound a bit weird right like I don't know if it's just me because it's in the middle in around the second verse of the song. It's almost as if it's the raw recording because it doesn't sound as processed as the other parts of the song do, which is very weird. 
but it doesn't really take away from this absolute banger of a track and and it's also like one of the few songs here in which uh, kk gets a lot of space to shine as such um i love that very maidenesque kind of a section after the solos uh, where you have the harmonized guitars was this really necessary i'm not sure but that one section makes this song a bit too long for my liking but overall uh it's a fucking fantastic song it's my first a of this entire set so far but it's still an a and even battle him even if you take it with battle him or if you take it without battle him uh it's still an a for me so yeah that's that's my opinion on this uh ravi what about you one shot oh, at glory specifically or even together with battle him on its own yeah well i mean you know uh, as standalones both of them are fantastic put them together and frankly that's the best part of that album as far mm-hmm. as i'm concerned and it's Uh, you know uh, back in that back at that time i i think uh, one of the things that people used to do is um, you know you'd have the really good songs at the start and the really good songs at the end i'm not sure if this was a very widely accepted practice but what i used to do when i was buying a tape is i'd ask the guy to play the first few minutes of the first song then flip it around and play the last few minutes of the last song and you know that okay. from some kind of a rough idea of how the album how the album is then hmm. you know uh but one shot at glory is just fantastic i mean i completely disagree with you i think that entire extended uh dueling guitar part is what raises that song to the next level oh really just gives it this very very epic strum and drung kind of feel to it it's absolutely brilliant in fact yes. one of the reasons i did not buy the uh, reissue when it came out was because i thought the album ended exactly where it needed to end and mm. i didn't want anything more after one shot at glory okay okay so okay so wait one second you you're definitely rating this a oh, or yeah. a more a plus i'm guessing a plus is extending to infinity songs all right all right I, I like it even more than i like other title tracks So it's mm. definitely my favorite uh, part of the album and I actually think Painkiller is an album which has a stronger side B than it has a side yeah. because I don't care too much for Leather Rebel uh so you know I think the side side B just kicks it up a notch when okay. considering how strong side A is is like quite Yeah that's saying something Peter yeah. what about you No that's exactly the exact point I was going to make like if you look at it right and I mean I mentioned earlier about the sequencing if you look at all the tracks on side B the we've consistently talked uh, all about them and also and I don't know how they what they were thinking about during the tape days but it's a g- strong way to end the album and uh, you know your at some point your like animate said you're singing along like one shot because this is like one of those uh, pump pump it up kind of uh, tracks so yeah but for me it's I think just because of the length I guess but uh, yeah I I'm giving it at an A that's the okay. only kind of reason Cool so we could, we can we can end we can end here and so far every song apart from Peter's vote for uh, Hell Patrol has gotten an A so we can we can just end it here but I think we should still include the two tracks that were that came out along uh, on the reissue as such which is first one of them being living bad dreams uh yeah i'll 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 take a shot at it first i i rated this an a minus um i love the sense it's the star of this track for me 
the onslaught is over as such so you need a song to end the album i guess but that doesn't mean the chorus doesn't need to be hooky because the chorus once again is fucking hooky but it's like if if you were to listen to this uh the, the reissue and not the original album then it's such a fucking weird vibe to end an album though right i mean you leave you you're leaving the listener with the story or the idea that all of it was just a bad dream it's a, it's a pessimistic <laughs> tone if i've ever heard if i've ever heard one that being said it's still an a minus from my side so so yeah any of you uh, care to comment on living bad dreams actually i've never heard the that song because like i said i didn't bother getting the reissue i believe mm. it killer is about as perfect an album as you're ever going to get and you know uh i honestly feel that if you're going to add to a track like that just bash out another cd and stamp those songs on that instead of you know uh basically it's kind of like oh mona lisa would look better with a mustache let's just try this one on no you don't do that okay cool we'll completely take that anurag what about you have you heard living bad dreams no i haven't actually and i guess i mean i guess i the only sort of thing i can say is that like you know i guess you have to consider it as just an outtake rather than an actual yeah episode, yeah so yeah. it's it's weird like when i was reading about this track even the band doesn't know why this track was left off the album which is so weird right so the band so, doesn't the, the band wanted it on the album yeah yeah and mm-hmm. i mean i guess that's why it was on the remastered it i mean could have uh, pushed it over the uh, a 50 minute mark at which point of time there's a bit of a degradation of sound as far as vinyls are concerned okay, okay. vinyls were still in production at that time hmm. maybe that was the consideration Possibly. not there yeah. Yeah. uh i don't know uh that's just a possible theory but you know yeah. uh, i mean i i like the solo that's there from like 3 minute mark uh, again and like for me i i i mean i guess i've heard the remastered uh i've, I've heard the remasters more, more too like yeah so that's why i'm okay with it really so wait so since it's only peter and me on this one then uh, i've i've rated it an a minus peter what about you i i put it at an a as an a Okay, I'm not going to get into uh, rating leather Le- uh, leather rebel live because we've already done leather rebel as such. So so yeah. But uh, having said that, gentlemen, we have a second all A. Wait, are we not doing artwork? Come on. Oh yeah, even oh, if we on. oh come on, musically definitely. Uh, musically, uh, musically so far everything's an A already. Yeah. And let's let's then talk about artwork since you brought it up, Peter. What are you rating it? Are you rating it any differently other than any? Oh, dude, that's I mean for me this is like metal as fuck man. I mean dude what a freaking I I I wish I could find like a reasonably priced t-shirt uh of this with this I haven't artwork. yet found a poster or a t-shirt of of it like which it, which fulfills Indian shopping conditions by which I mean is easily available in India and also doesn't cost a fucking bomb to ship to India. Uh, no man ravi sitting in singapore smiling at us like <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually finally enough i'd ordered this on uh, vinyl and mm. flipkart uh, flubbed my order and uh, you know gave it to uh, a guy who i actually knew well uh, name is eluding me at the moment uh, but yeah it's not ravi b <laughs> <laughs> mistaken case of ravi but yeah dude i mean like the the artwork is like phenomenal i mean and and 
even if you look at it like with the other priests artwork right it's just like whoa man <laughs> so yeah, definitely uh, i mean you know i mean if you think about it uh, uh i'd say the artwork had kind of been I, i'd say the defenders of the faith artwork was pretty good yeah uh, yeah the, uh which one i mean what what came after that uh, was it uh, screaming for vengeance no yeah screaming for vengeance was again pretty good uh turbo not so much ram it down but uh, <laughs> a little obvious and meh uh, painkiller absolute stunner artwork yeah yeah they've always like priest priest i don't think they've ever flubbed artwork as such i mean the only one that i really don't like is is no nostradamus was okay for what it was yeah, um, uh, i did enjoy turbo as an art as as I an mean, album artwork it's been great for a duran duran album but it was not a Judas Priest album cover. Exactly. Anyways, uh, Anurag, quick views. Uh, yeah, man, sure. I mean, uh, it was it, as far as uh, metal artwork goes. Like, yeah, it was definitely something that you look at and you just be like, I should probably listen to this. You know, yep. it's, uh, it's it's pretty much like, uh, and I had never seen anything like it when I finally chanced upon it. Like, I'd never, and which is so great. Like, like because I feel like bands like Judas Priest and Iron Maiden also where they are because. they paid importance to things like this you know like iron maiden had eddie and judas priest clearly like you know like they had a thing with steel so to speak i suppose or just like you know chromatic like sort of fuse and stuff like that so i think they used that really well uh, to really catch everybody's eye yeah so on on an artwork on the artwork front it's an a from all of us which leads me to talk about production i love it everything oh, wow. is yeah. everything fucking sounds organic even most of the drumming what you hear is the original drum sound uh there's only like one part in the whole album that's been sampled apparently um it's beautifully mixed and then you go a bit deeper and you'll read about why this album is studied a lot there's something called the vortex effect which yeah. the album uh, has used a lot in terms of bumping up uh, the solos again check out the invisible oranges article for a lot more context on that overall it sounds fucking thunderous and exactly like how a metal record should sound so full yeah. marks to everyone involved in making this sound like an absolute fucking banger it's an a plus from me on production yeah i mean it's 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 amazing you mentioned that because like i said the time i heard it was just shortly after it had been released and uh, you know you had i had very very little context it was i think the uh, probably the 12th or 13th hard rock slash heavy metal album i'd heard end to end at that point and it just sounded so amazing but you know you kind of took it for granted because you thought everything probably sounds like this but it's only over time that you realize just how special and visceral the album is and especially coming after uh, you know turbo and ram it down i actually don't mind ram it down at all i love that album but uh, i know i know it divides opinion quite severely mm-hmm. i even mm-hmm. like the johnny b good cover <laughs> okay Peter Anurag chime in on production anything to add I don't know I mean you've kind of uh, said it all really and I mean I think even for me this was one of those I think first 50th series of mine that I owned in there cuz of I think I was like still studying as in university so you don't really buy that many CDs and uh, yeah it was really really good uh, I still own the CD. Really, one of my prized possessions. Uh, and uh, you, you own the original uh, issue, which has the kind of chainsaw effect on the CD. Uh, 
Yeah, but that, the one yeah. I have is the remaster. That, but that oh, also okay. has it. Yeah, oh, right. and that's that's pretty cool. So, like, I mean, even like going through the artwork. That's why I appreciate the artwork also, right? You thumb through the inlay and stuff like that. So, yeah, man, it's really special album for me. Okay, Anurag. Yeah, and as, as somebody who probably uh, like, I mean, I went in reverse in terms of how I was introduced to a lot of uh, heavy music, which is that like I heard a lot of the modern stuff and then went backwards mm. to all the classics. Like, uh, like in that sense, like it just holds up so well that you know, there's there's nothing that like it has all the makings of a sort of classic sort of sound, but at the same time, it's you know, you could hear it today on your headphones and you just be like, man, this is like this this yeah. is like there's there's bands that still that are still striving for this sound today. Yeah, exactly. Right. It it's an it's an apt template or a reference point as such for how metal should sound. Um, Especially okay. the drums, if you think about it, right? I mean, because yeah. in metal, you, one of the things you've always like you see certain bands really struggle is their drum sound and how these guys kind of got it just right. Right. I mean, it perfectly fits in with the rest. Yeah. The guitar yeah. tones, they're so gnarly. I mean, it's like, you know, a slavering dog growling at you. It's just amazing. Yeah. Mm. Okay, cool. So, so th- that's on the production front, which then leads me to kind of get into final comments as such or just talking about the legacy of this entire album uh because it's 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 pretty much clear now that this is this is an all a's album and we've we've objectively rated it too at least try to be as objective as we can on it and apart (laughs) from that one uh b outlier of a vote uh every everybody on this podcast today has rated each and every song at least an a which is great um as well as the artwork as well as the production so let's wind it down and let me and let me begin by saying this. I think this album will go down in history as the heaviest album Priest have ever recorded, at least so far. And I don't think there's anybody who there's any other album that can, you know, dispute that fact or knock it off that title or that honor. Yeah. But my viewpoint is this depending on when you got into Priest and what album you were introduced to first, this painkiller may very well be your favorite favorite priest album of all time it certainly is mine and that's because this was the first ever priest album i've heard and once you hear something that's as heavy as this every other priest album just doesn't live up so in my head i imagined british steel to be as fucking heavy as this and it wasn't and, <laughs> so and what happened go like what the fuck so what happened when you heard sin after sin <laughs> exactly <laughs> I was like, holy shit, what is this? Right? Because on one side, you have Painkiller, which is like this, which is basically, I think, priests suddenly deciding to go like, fuck it. We are metal and we are going to be seen as the gods of heavy metal. And this is what we can do. And then after that, you go and revisit the discography and you're like, oh, but you have Painkiller. <laughs> So yeah, my, my thing is exactly what you said earlier, right? I, I'm very curious to know that, you know, if the same lineup continued and put out an album a year or two later, right? Or even say three years later, I'm very curious to know what that would sound like. Really? Would, would they like take it? Because if you think about it, right, this was 1990. So even if they released something in 93, 94, that was when like grunge had taken over. Would they have, you know, 
cut taken... their hair and become reload load <laughs> i don't know i mean like it, it just you just wonder right at times like this and especially with a band like priest i mean uh, when you release an album like painkiller what do you do post that right how do you kind of top exactly. that off yeah. can you top yeah. that off can you top that off i yeah. i i i don't have an answer for that too i mean um yeah um before 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 i ask any more questions ravi and anurag your concluding thoughts let's begin with ravi oh yeah i mean like i said this kind of set the template for uh, a whole bunch of bands especially the european metal scene uh you know i think it owes a huge debt to painkiller i doubt it would exist in its current shape or form primal fear you know where would they be without the uh painkiller template which was i mean the larger dualist priest template but mm. particularly painkiller as a kind of a foundational sort of album uh, i i actually uh, don't mind some of the earlier stuff because the thing is i'd kind of heard a best of compilation with you know songs like uh, delivering the goods and you got another thing coming and stuff like that so for me this album was kind of like a part of a progression and it's like oh okay these guys have got really freaking heavy on this particular album now uh, but again it was you know at that odd stage where you know you don't have too many inputs coming in and you take everything for granted because you know you don't know any better uh, definitely think it's one of the most influential heavy metal albums ever made i yeah completely agree with you on that front uh, possibly one of those a uh, handful of albums that you know you could kind of give someone uh, who wants to know what heavy metal is all about and say yeah this this is yeah. it yeah yeah anurag pretty much man i mean like as as somebody who's actually not heard that many priest albums like i feel like when you hear something like painter you just be like maybe this is enough you know like may, may, i mean like it's not <laughs> not necessarily for like clout or anything like that but to just know what priests are all about like you just need to perhaps start and end here you know and of course that's a very like contentious take i'm sure but uh, at least for me personally like that's pretty much what i felt like and you know obviously apart from this like i've heard british steel and i like i heard their hits like ravi said like i've also like you know chased upon their greatest hits and stuff like that um but yeah like like album wise like an entire album wise yeah i feel like this was this was uh quite 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 uh, you know like something that made you feel like yeah judas priest have still got it basically and that uh, i mean of, of course after this halford left right so uh, i guess that was that was uh, kind of unfortunate i guess in terms of band history but uh, i think it's i think it's one of the few moments in history that i wouldn't like to change because i i somehow get this feeling that if the lineup had continued we wouldn't have like it would become either a pale limitation or it would i don't know they would they would want to change their sound or or you would have a mtv unplugged judas priest <laughs> which wouldn't be fucking bad like imagine like imagine imagine a touch of evil unplugged it would still fucking rock the touch of evil unplugged would have been great painkiller unplugged <laughs> you can't do that unplugged man i'm just sorry like like yeah yeah i've tried it and it fucking sucks oh. <laughs> oh. uh, we need to hear the try the try of yours i have a feeling i'll be on par with the dementra night <laughs> thanks for setting some standards <laughs> okay we've, we've we've talked more than an hour about an album that's 
rightly one of the best albums ever to be released in the heavy metal sphere and that's what horns up is all about it's all about just rediscovering and discovering more music in this heavy metal realm that all of us can fucking rock our heads to and just go horns up horns up guys horns up exactly <laughs> having us Do you want to do it for the hundredth time, Animesh? What? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and so for the hundredth time, you guys know where to find us. We are at hornsuppod.com. We are on Twitter. We are at hornsuppod. I am at Asmoani. I am at Trend Crusher. And this was Hornsupp. Hornsupp, guys. Hornsupp.